You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. So I was uh, overwhelmed by just uh, thinking about John's witness as we go into 1 John, this wonderful little letter written by the apostle. John had a fantastic encounter that not many could claim to have, and that he got to walk with Jesus. He got to see Christ doing miracles. Was there when bread was torn and it kept being torn and fish kept multiplying and, and, and this incredible work was done, one miracle after another, John would have witnessed those things, seeing the transfiguration of Christ himself. He would also have the crazy witness of watching the church grow and the spirit of God coming upon the early church and the church being scattered because of persecution and brokenness. And all along the way, he's seeing these things and knowing the truth of who Jesus is as the Messiah, the Son of God. He'd witness, he'd hear, he'd see every last bit of God's grace and mercy poured out through the early church and many put to death and he would outlive most of them. He'd write this letter, nearly 100 years old, two generations past Jesus, and you could imagine what he had seen in that process from beautiful power and the, and the gospel moving from one spot to another, and yet he also saw the tragic brokenness of so many that were martyred for their faith. And he had a heart transformed by what he had seen and what he had heard. So much so that there was a fire in him, even when he was old. And uh, oral history has it that when he would go from one church to another, they'd lead him in amongst a congregation, and he would just get up there and go, love God and love people. You know, it's just kind of just a very simple message, kind of what you're hoping I do this morning. I'm just, whoop, done. Okay, let's close in prayer. And he would just go right to it. But you see, it was overwhelming. It was overflowing from who he was. It was a fire that was in his heart. It was a knowledge that he knew, but more than that, he, had become, he was alive by the Spirit of God, and all who saw him and heard him saw and heard about Jesus. It just was a no-brainer. And I think, I think if there's ever a time in the world, right, right now, as Christ draws near, that the church have that same kind of fire and light that it would be very clear that we belong to God. Not so much that we belong to this party or that party or this social issue or that social issue or these problems or those problems, but that we truly belong to the King and the world could see it in who we are and how we are. Now, earlier this morning, I was out watching the bird feeder and I, I, we have a bird feeder up in this beautiful big ficus and uh, the sun was up behind the tree and the bird feeder was packed. And I could see all kinds of things about the birds. We had uh, nutmeg mannequins on there, little lesser gold finch. There was a purple finch that dropped in. A, there was a black-eyed junco landed on there. There was some kerfluffling that happened. But every time from that bird feeder they flew off, the sun behind them lit up their wings like gold. It was crazy. It was so fun to watch. All of a sudden, I knew they were birds. I knew they were unique, but man, the moment I saw their wings opened up, there was no doubt. Like, oh, I know exactly what those are. They're fantastic little creatures that give glory to God, right? And my, that, that, this is my own little moment with birds in the morning. <laughs> How much more so should it be for the church that when we alight, that the world would see Jesus in us, that there'd be a light that goes on. The world could say, oh, no, I get it. That person's different. There's something different about them. They... They belong to someone eternal. They belong to the king. So John, 
had this incredible indicator light that was in his life. It was clear to see that the spirit was in him. He was alive and alert for the gospel and he had a message to share for the church. He's sharing the church that's being uh, diluted and broken by Gnosticism. The idea of uh, was God actually in the flesh? They had distorted all this. If you know a, a bit about Gnosticism, we can go on and on about that. But either way, they're broken uh, um, in their doctrine. He was talking to a church that was kind of becoming complacent. And so he's trying to get the indicator light to turn on in the, in the followers of Christ. And so, uh, so we're going to look a little bit at that today. Verse 1 of chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have looked upon with our hands, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. That which was from the beginning. I love this. The start of this book is powerful. He starts with the word that. And it's as though you can see his bony finger there at 100 some years old going, that, pointing to Jesus, pointing up to the king of glory. That which was from the very beginning is the, the eternal life in Jesus Christ, I see it. The, the reality for all of us is, guys, we're drawing our attention in our life to something. I guess the challenge that I find in my heart is, am, am I pointing more towards Jesus than just towards the things in this world that are wrong, the things in this world that are rough? John said that, which was from the beginning, that was before all things, right? That focus. That's a, an indicator light for our life. When, when you and I have our focus, we're directing our children, our friends, our family to the one who matters, the one that's a, a love. The, the first element of understanding an indicator light. Now, here, here's what's cra kind of crazy. You know what an indicator light is, right? On uh, appliances or what have you. It lets you know that the machine is on and running. But indicator lights have become more difficult. Back in the day, it was like, turn something on, boom, big light went on. You're like, yeah, that's how it is. But now all these little switches and stuff, I can't tell if the thing is on or not. Sometimes they're painted on there. God wants our indicator light to be, boom, to be no, a, a no-brainer, not a half-baked indicator, but rather I am alive by the glory of the King of Jesus, right? King Jesus, who has redeemed me and kept me and held me. And so may that be what we point to first. John begins to give his, his testimony about Jesus. He says, that which we have heard, <clears throat> and the reality was is that he had heard from the very beginning Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Have we ever, as followers of Christ had our ears open to hear from God personally. I think sometimes we're running so fast we forget to pause and be still and really let God's word come alive in our heart, hear what he's saying in regards to the directions of our life and then doing them. Because God is still speaking. He says, that which we've heard and that which we've seen. Now the word that's used here for seen is with physical sight. John got to eyewitness Jesus enduring through that brokenness in Jerusalem to the cross. You and I get to see God working in each other, in our children, in, our, in our, our church, and in our community, but we have to have our eyes to see it. There's something that happens in our life when we watch and we go, oh, look, that's, that's God working right there. Like with my brother, when he comes over and he said, listen, I, I feel like the Lord wants us to talk about a river of life flowing through Ukraine. Oh, I see, I see Jesus moving in that. We look over and see all the kids being cared for and around the barn there and they're doing their thing over there and we can see the hands of God as they're moving and working around us. And it, what it does is it, it turns the light on in my heart. If my eyes are open to seeing those lives being transformed and the things that are going on. 
he takes it one step farther by not only hearing, right, and seeing, but then he says that which we've looked upon. And the word that's used here for this little phrase means gazed. It's the idea of a long gaze at the king. Not just a quick glance in his direction, but that you and I would be people, if we want our lights to be on in this world, then we have to have, be pondering who he is. Not just a glance towards him or a glance in our Bibles, but a true looking into who he is. And every time we will look into who God is and look into his face, it will expand and grow every single time. There was a few years back, I had a buddy of mine and his, his father had passed away and I was on the phone with him because he was, he was uh, uh, back with his family in Florida. And it was about dusk in Vail, Colorado and I was standing at this wall kind of over this little canyon talking to him, very vivid, it was a beautiful night. It was getting dusk, and I was talking to him on the phone, and I'm praying with him, and I'm, I'm just kind of, my, you know how you, when you're talking on the phone, sometimes you just stare at something, and you're not really looking at it, and I was looking at this big bush, like 20 feet away from me, and I was just kind of staring into it as I was talking and praying with him and encouraging him and, and all this stuff, and you know, I looked in the bush at the end of my prayer, and inside that bush was a full-racked buck that was sitting in there for the night. He had tucked into the bush, but I hadn't seen him the whole time. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you will not believe what's sitting right in front of me, just looking at me like, you want some of this? Because I'll come get you. <laughs> I think it's the same with the Lord. We've got to give him our due, due time. You know, See him, hear him, gaze upon him, and actually, actually allow him to bring the fullness of who he is alive in our heart, he looked upon him. And then he says, which our hands have handled. One of the ways in which the world will see Jesus in us and that indicator light on is if we will get our hands on the work that God is asking us to do, to actually handle the work, to be a participant in serving. And I love just coming in here this morning. I got here early and everyone was so nice to us. And oh, where do you need to? Oh, you want this? Oh, and they were the hands of Jesus, just helping and, and serving and, 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 and being a participant in the work. And I remember very vividly um, a time when I was with Pastor Ricky. And a lot of you know Pastor Ricky Ryan. He's my pastor. And um, I was the janitor at the church at Pebble Hill. And Ricky had uh, invited me to go to the hospital to pray for a woman who was in an accident. And uh, she was, had, had some severe damage to her legs, and we were praying for her to have her legs back, her, for her to feel her legs. And so um, I got to come in, and I remember I just felt so excited that I got to see God's people doing God's work and being, a, being part of this process, and Ricky's in there laying hands on her, and we're going to pray. And he said, you just put your hands on her legs. So I put my hands on her legs, and I'm ready to see a miracle, you know. And all of a sudden, as we're praying, man, her legs get hot. I'm like, what's happening? Something is happening. And then they just start to vibrate. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, you're doing something great. And then the machine shut off. <laughs> then I got the church giggles. Anyways, it was just like, I was like, oh, no, but you are working, Lord. You know, God, God wants us to be having our hands on it so that we'll see him do great works. And God was doing a magnificent work past the vibrating and the heating, which happened to be the machine that was keeping circulation on our legs. God's doing a work but will we be faithful to get our hands on it? Because you see, we'll see greater things. We'll, we'll see people healed and restored. And this is, in this time and, and day and age, it's vital that we have our eyes open to see that and have that indicator on it. He says, I, I've seen, heard, looked upon, gazed, handled the things concerning the word of life, Christ and the eternal work that he's come. 
It's not just simply about church life and church doing and coming and going. It's about the gift of Jesus Christ that redeems people from death, redeems us from sin and gives us everlasting life. Verse two, he says, the life, this life that was manifested, we have seen and we bear witness and we declare to you that eternal life with, 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 that was with the Father and was manifested to us. This idea of manifest is to make visible, to make it clear and to disclose this, disclose this to those around us. It's the idea that you and I, if we have Jesus in our life, we have received a mystery for people. It's a fantastic, beautiful work of grace, not something you can earn on your own or do because of the law, you've done the law right, but rather just by receiving it, you have everlasting life. And we're to make that mystery, we're to disclose it and make it manifest to all that are there. God had made it manifest to John. John is now making it manifest even as he encourages the church. Verse three and four. For that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. John says, listen, all that I've seen and heard and know to be true about eternal life, I make it known to you for a real important reason. That, that, that you can have fellowship with us, but more than that, our fellowship is with the God of all creation. You guys realize that's what we get to do, is we get to introduce people to a relationship that's intimate, powerful, and eternally life-changing in Jesus. And John says, look, I'm writing this so that, so that you know, we'll have this fellowship and all that'll be great, but I'm writing it that your joy may be full. See, the moment the world gazes out of the darkness, right, and the craziness that we're in, this weird world that we're in right now, and sees Jesus, right, light shines and eternal hope starts shining in hearts. Now, you and I can have a joy that doesn't disappear. You know, I think the world is, is looking for joy, and they'll, they'll grab a little happiness here. They want things to go really well, but you see, what we get offered by Jesus Christ is a peace that surpasses understanding. Even if these wars keep building, we know Jesus is around the corner. We, we know he's right there. Even if today is our last day, we know, oh, if we're gonna be absent from here, we'll be present with the Lord eternally, and that brings this great, great joy. Now we're gonna pop over to chapter four. We're gonna see some different elements. This idea of this joy and belonging is part of that indicator. Does the world see you as belonging to it, or does it see you it doesn't see the indicator light on that you actually belong to the kingdom of heaven. And in verse 11 of chapter four, he says, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then the wind hit. It's like, it, it almost like he plans it at the right time. Uh, in the gospel of John, chapter one, verse 14, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We also ought to love. The great indicator that we have is the spirit of God that's been poured out in our heart is meant to be seen by how we love those that are around us. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been made perfect in us. This statement is powerful. No one has seen God at any time. If you look at the Gospel of John chapter six, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. No one has seen the Father except for Jesus, right, who is with the Father. Yeah. 
That's, that's how that works. But do you know that the world can see God in you and me? That they can see him if we will surrender to him and allow him to live within us. In, um, in, in uh, the last part of that verse, verse 12, where he says, for God abides in us and his love is made perfect in us. No one's seen him in any time, but rather God abides in you and me. That's a pretty powerful thing, but I would just wonder, what, what is it you think your family is seeing in you more than God? Because often I gotta keep that in check because what I'm finding out is that my family is seeing a lot of Tommy and a little less of God, and so I gotta make sure that, that I'm being quick to say, no, I want you to see God's character in me as often as I can. Doesn't mean any one of us can be perfect, but it certainly means we can try to get that indicator light on that he's at home. He's residing and dwelling right within my home. Now we live in a really beautiful little neighborhood in Santa Barbara and we love our neighbors and we've been witnessing to them and sharing with them. And one of the things that's really great is that uh, coming home in the evening, I can tell who's home, right? Because the lights are on and all their lights are on. And there's like a cheeriness to these homes that are on either side of us like, oh, oh, Cecilia. They're, they're home, look at, you know, and I, I can go from each home and know, oh, look at their home because the lights are on. I just believe with all my heart that the kind of craziness we're dealing with in our nation and in the world, people are looking to see if who's at home in your heart. It's vital that they see that God is alive in our heart, that Jesus dwells in our heart, that the Spirit has filled us by our actions and by our love. Recently, I was uh, finishing on Sunday mornings Acts, Acts 28, and uh, that's when um, Paul gets washed up in Malta and comes on shore there. And as he gets on shore there, the, the natives, you know, make a fire for him. And the scriptures say that the, the, the natives showed unusual kindness to them. And I was thinking what a powerful statement that is. And can that be said of us? That the light is on and that there's an unusual kindness that's being poured out through the body of Christ. Now, when I hear what's happening in the missions work here and at the, at the ranch church, and, and you know, Rick gives me the update now and again of the things that you guys are doing the way you do. I see unusual kindness. As you're thoughtful to reach out past the tent and past this incredible ranch, by the way, which is pretty epic. And uh, I mean, I'll just side note on that. I'm walking around like, wow, it's a lot like our church. <laughs> if you've been to our church, it's just a warehouse down by the, yes, that's what it is. So, so the, the light must be on. So he says, he says this, that... Um, Oop, my, my thing left. Um, that God abides in us and, and the world can see, uh, see him in us by how we work. Is there an indicator light on? Now, one of the ways that, that this happens is by allowing God to be formed in our hearts, to be purposeful to let him do the work that he wants and transform us into his image. Jesus said this uh, in, uh, in verse 23 of the Gospel of John. He said, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So Jesus said, this is how you're, you know, this is how I'm formed inside your heart. Keep my word. Walk in the things you know to be true through the word of God, and I will, we will come and we'll make our home within you, and literally set up a residence there, and people will see that the light is on and that, we've been, that, that he is home. And he says this, that by his love, we then are, per, per, he, he, that his love will be perfected in us. This perfecting process is this idea of bringing to full expression who he is in us. 
It's a process. It's every day, right, we have the opportunity to love, love, love those around us and whatever, whoever God brings our way, and God begins to purify and perfect that love in our heart as we practice it. It's brought to full expression. It's the idea of something coming and becoming very fruitful. So you and I, if we've put our faith in Christ, we have his Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and he's perfecting that love if we're willing to exercise it, right, and to move forward in his word. There's this purifying and this perfecting that happens. It's like fruit that's ripe. Let's face it, everybody loves good, ripe fruit. I mean, most people do love ripe fruit. Uh, and when you smell ripe fruit, you can taste, you can tell it, smell it from away away. My wife brought some strawberries home that were literally straight from heaven at the farmer's market. I, you smell them at a distance, then you got closer and you're just sort of enraptured by the craziness of the smell and then the taste. They were just, oh, amazing. But there's nothing worse than walking in on a pile of overripe fruit. See, see, fruit that's not eaten and enjoyed or used gets ripe and nasty. And I believe that within the body of Christ around the world, there's, there's a lot of unused fruit. It's good for nothing. God, God's given us this information, allows us to see him, handle him, know him, receive his spirit in our heart, and now he longs for it to be revealed and perfected in our love as we're faithful to love it out around us. Unused love stinks. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And I've already talked about this truth, but let's go to John's gospel in chapter 14, verse 16. He says, and I will pray the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And the spirit doesn't just leave and come when, when, when he wants to. If you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ, then the Spirit of God comes and dwells, seals you and dwells within your heart and comes upon you for power to love. And these are the tools that God gives to the church, which is exciting. So we're not supposed to be tossed to and fro by the craziness of the environment outside, the wind and the rain and the contrary elements of society and all that stuff. No, we have the living God dwelling within us who longs to be seen like a light in the midst of darkness. And what does light do? It just, listen, it chases away the darkness. Darkness doesn't exist where light is. It's just, it's gone. He says, by this we know that we abide in that we're, 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 we have the Holy Spirit in it. He gives us confidence. You know, through this past, these, this past uh, epidemics that we've been going through, um, have we trusted the Spirit in giving us confidence that we belong to God. Um, we look at, every seemed like every place you went, someone's taking your temperature, right? Asking how you feel, or you give a sniffy nose, stand away, wear a mask, all the stuff that's going on. We're so interested in seeing what's going on if perhaps there's some sort of weird virus in us. Even me talking about it has got a couple of you feeling creeped out about it. Does he have it? I think he does. He looks like his nose is running now. Right, we get all weird about that. But see, see God, God wants us to be checking and say, wait a minute, am I surrendered to seeing God move, handling the work that he's doing, filled with his Holy Spirit so that I can be a light in the midst of it? So when people walk up, they go, wait a minute, I've checked the symptoms. There's unusual love. There's a, there's a pointing to the one who's in charge. There's a confidence and a peace of everlasting life. Wait a minute, who does this guy belong to? Who does this girl belong to? He belongs to, the, the, there's, a, there's a hope that begins to be um, seen in 
when, when, when we allow God's spirit to move in our hearts and to, and to stay in our hearts. Verse 14, he said, I, and we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. And we're gonna finish on these last two verses. So whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he, he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. It's powerful because it has to do with confession. And confession must be made. He who confesses Christ, right, has everlasting life. It's, it's interesting what words, how much words matter. So often I'll run into people and they go, you know, my relationship with Jesus is kind of my own thing. In fact, I don't even really talk about it ever and there's nothing on their lips about God. And I would just say, guys, no, you know what? Confession is key. What happens when I speak it with my mouth that I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior is it sets a course and a direction for our life. We need to hear it as men and women. God needs to hear it as from our lips that we are moving our ship in a new direction, that we've surrendered to the one who has redeemed us from sin. Now, two months ago, my, um, my father was dying. And uh, um, it seems uh, it, was a, it was an interesting uh, crazy 10 months, we moved my dad out in the middle of COVID and he had Alzheimer's and he's bipolar and he had dementia and it was a really painful, hard 10 months. And I prayed every day for God's mercy that God would take him home because when he was alert and bright, he had a great confession for Jesus. It was on his lips and, and I, I know where he is now. And my wife and I got to see him as, as he went downhill really fast. God answered our prayer of mercy because he was in such turmoil and such brokenness physically and emotionally and all these things. And he was uh, in those moments before death. And it was heavy. And my heart felt all the emotions I didn't even know I had, ways I never imagined I would feel. And I stood over my father and I, I, I prayed over him and we prayed. I said his favorite Psalm, Psalm 23, and I recited it over him while holding his head. And he was in those, the death throes and the pain and he couldn't speak and he couldn't share anything. And after I prayed for him, I said, Dad, I love you. And he looked back and his lips went, I love you. And that was it. And you know, that little confession for me was transformative. It really was. It's like the thing I needed to hear, the thing I needed to see on his lips. I love you. How much more so? I love you, Jesus. We're gonna open our lips and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. That's the power that we have. And guys, don't, don't we need that light bright, there's, there's really no time to waste. When we see what's happening in Ukraine, across the world, our own nation, it is an urgent time. The rain is coming. The darkness is out there, right? And so it's time to go, bing, we've got hope. We've, the, the, the indicator light is on. The spirit is, the, Jesus is home. Imagine what that will do to your marriages, guys. You go home and the, your wives look over and go, wow, there's something different. That's right, because I, I, I'm a alert and alive by the Spirit of God. He's gonna direct me as a husband in your life. Imagine what will happen, husbands, if you see that in your wives. And there's a light that comes on and they start loving you as Christ loved, as they love the church. 
I got that backwards. Men loving their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for him, and wives as unto the Lord loving their husbands. See, the home changes when the light's on. Our kids change when the light is on because they see where we're pointing, who we trust, who dwells, and the light is on in our home. And so our kids have a place to go, a beacon of hope. And then our neighborhoods are changed. And then our communities are changed. And this family right here is powerful. And I know so many of you, and I love seeing all the familiar faces. Just such a blessing to be with you. I know the light's home in many of you. And as we close today, the, the question is, have you confessed with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and do you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead? And if so, right, you'll have everlasting life. So I'd like you all to stand with me, and then I want to call the prayer team to come up front, and uh, the worship team, too. And if that's, that's okay to do that. And what I want to do is just, I want to pray for us. And wherever you are in your heart, where, however bright that light is, maybe the indicator light has had no light on in it. There's, there's been nothing experienced in, in the house or in your life with that. And you're ready to just to receive Jesus and come alive for God's purposes. The Bible's very clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And it's with the confession of your mouth and the repentance of your heart that you give life everlasting. So I'm gonna pray for us, and as you feel led by the Spirit of God, you can come and meet any of the, of, of the folks up here in the prayer team. Wow, what a team. <laughs> I expect everyone to come forward. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you so much, and we're blessed, God, to be in this tent and to behold your glory in your word, to trust Jesus, the work that you've done for us. And today, God, we're asking that you just turn that light on in our heart, those places that have been cold, that we've stopped pointing to, those places, God, that you've wanted our hands to be on or our ears to hear. And I pray, God, we'd be an alert people to the work that you want us to do. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.